the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. Today is going to feature a little bit of a history lesson and maybe some current events. We're going to be interviewing Dr. David Kramer, who is the chief librarian of the Jewish Theological Seminary Library, which is an awesome, amazing, wonderful place, if you can get into it these days. And we're going to be talking about the, the history of the JTS Library and the uh, significance that it has even till this day. The portion of the week which will be discussed in the second half of the show is the portion of Shoftim can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 16 and following. It is also the month of Elul. We're getting ready for Rosh Hashanah now, believe it or not. We've got wonderful Jewish music scattered throughout the show. A great Hasidic story all the way at the end. This one you're going to really like. So stay tuned all the way to the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Israel added 18 countries, including the U.S., to the list of countries under a severe travel warning which means that travelers from those locations will be required to quarantine even if vaccinated or recovered from COVID upon their return to Israel. Makes us take notice a little bit. Ten rockets were fired into northern Israel from Lebanon. All rockets missed their mark. The IDF returned mortar fire towards the area from where the rockets were launched and the Lebanese army destroyed one of the rocket launchers, which is attributed to Hezbollah. Azerbaijan opened a trade office in Tel Aviv in preparation for future openings of an embassy. The Biden administration chose Hanan Weissman as Jewish liaison. Weissman was the White House Jewish liaison under Obama. Trump 
did not have a Jewish liaison. He had a Jewish son-in-law, so maybe that was... Anyway, but in the Tokyo Olympics, Artem Dogliapat took home Israel's first gold of the 2021 Olympics, winning the floor exercise in the artistic gymnastics event. Israel's judo team took bronze in the overall competition, and American Alex Kleinman won gold in beach volleyball. Israel's baseball team did really bad, winning only one of six games. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line Dr. David Kramer. He is the chief librarian of the Jewish Theological Seminary Library in New York, Jewish Theological Seminaries in New York. And we're going to be talking about the history and future of one of the world's great Jewish libraries today. How are you, David? I'm doing well, thank you. How about you? Good, thank God. Thank you for asking, and thank you for taking the time to come out on and talk to us a little bit. Let's let's do some sure, history. My pleasure. Let's do a little history first. The how old is the Jewish Theological Seminary, and how old is its library? <laughs> Your laugh. <laughs> um, so, JTS was founded in its first brief uh, incarnation in the 1890s, but it needed to reorganize itself, and JTS, as we now know it, is more a creation of the earliest years of the 20th century. Okay. Was it created to be a university or was it, I mean, the idea being that it would be a place where conservative rabbis would be ordained. So was it the, the model to be like a yeshiva or was it to be like a university? Well, I think it's fair to say that in its earliest form and for decades, it was dedicated to training rabbis who would be able to serve in the American community. Many were immigrants. They weren't accustomed to American culture or expectations. And they needed a proper training ground, which the Jewish Theological Seminary sought to provide. At the same time, the library was created with JCS, and the J, I'm sorry, the library's goal from the very beginning was 
to provide a center for deep and wide scholarship on Jewish religion, culture, and history, one that would serve not just students at JTS, not even only faculty at JTS, but would really be a resource for researchers, for people who are interested in the history of Judaism from around the world. Okay. Do you know the name of the first librarian at the JTS? He would have probably been like the... Yes, of course. Alexander Marks. He served for 50 years from 1903 to 1953. He had been a disciple of Schefter's in England, and he was invited by Schefter. It was actually Matilda Schefter who encouraged Solomon to be in touch with Marx, and he came and uh, he created the library as we know it. He was, over the course of that 50 years, one of the world's greatest Judaic of bibliophiles, uh, and he, with the support of JTS's community, uh, created what became the library. Uh, about two-thirds, for example, if my memory serves me correctly, of the Hebrew manuscripts that we've got in the collection were acquired during Marx's time. Okay, so he did, he did quite a job in, in setting the tone for what the JTS library should be. So it was, did he decide, or was it the philosophy, I don't know exactly if there's a board of governors, it is, uh, that the library is for... JTS students or was going to be like anybody who go off the street could say, listen, I'm working on a project and I need to look up such and such a, a book and I hear you have it. Well, I think there's probably a category in between. It was certainly for JTS students and faculty. Uh, as long as I've known the library, I began as a graduate student at JTS in 1977 it's been open to anybody from the community who might want to take advantage of its resources. Uh, but it's clear that from early on, it saw itself as serving a research community, a student community that went beyond JTS. That's not exactly uh, folks off the street, um, but it's a very wide community. Okay, so now let's talk something that's just near and dear to me. Let me just tell you a little bit of a story. Sure. 1978, I went off to Berkeley, California to help run a summer yeshiva program on the University of California, Berkeley campus. And mm -hmm. long Shabbos afternoons, I'm talking about long Shabbos afternoons, I would go to the UC Berkeley Library, and they had a Judaica section. And a big part of their Judaica section, which the Judaica section wasn't very big, but a big part of the Judaica section was rare books. And they just had them mm -hmm. in the stacks. They had, for example, a first edition. I'm getting geeky now for those people who want it. But they had a first edition Shalah <laughs> printed in the early 1700s. Okay. And <laughs> I saw this. I started drooling. Just like, wow. Okay. So... I really got hooked on like rare books and uh, in common mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff, things that were printed before the 14, 1500s. And uh, so the, the, the JTS has one of the, the greatest 
rare yeah. book libraries of Judaica in the world. My question is, why? Why do we need, okay, if I'm going to look up, say, a Rambam. So I have a Rambam that was printed last week. It has exactly the same mm -hmm. words as the Rambam that was written down in the 1300s. Why does a library need old, rare books? Uh, well, what you said isn't exactly the case. Um, although I do have to say that when we choose the example of Rambam, Maimonides, the um, degree of agreement between the manuscripts we know and the pr printed editions is quite extraordinary. It shows how early Maimonides' writings were canonized. They were officially formulated. But having said that, there are always differences from one manuscript to another, from a manuscript to a printed text, there are corrections made in later printed editions based upon manuscript discoveries. And the JPS Library, as a resource for Judaica researchers, has long recognized that if we want to identify the best texts we can recover and preserve, we need access to manuscripts, in the case of Maimonides, we need access to writings that are preserved in the Cairo Geniza. But we also have differences between printed editions. Uh, corrections are made. Unfortunately, we're also left with a legacy of censorship, where the original formulation was objectionable to the authorities in the lands where Jews found themselves. And so certain comments needed to be cut out. Uh, and it's always possible to improve the reading that we have access to. In other words, to get closer to what Maimonides, in the case of your question, actually wrote. Okay, interesting. Now, the, we're, we're talking a lot of philosophy over here. So um, back in 2013, when my daughter was working actually for the JTS, so I came into town to visit her and she said, well, where would you like, I'll take some time off, where would you like to go? And I said, get me into the JTS rear book room. Okay, and so she sent off a letter to Jerry Schwartzberg, who was a very nice guy, and he, he promptly responded, what do you want? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> why are you, who are you and why are you bothering me? So um, mm -hmm. basically, and then, so she explained that my, my father, he's a Chabad Shliach, and he's into books, and he does this, and he has, a, and I had actually had a question of something that I saw, which I was looking for an older edition of something to see that I know that the, the JTS had it, and he said, he responded back, okay, if you come at this in this time, I can give you 20 minutes. That's what I got. What year was this? Nine, uh, 2013. I'm sorry to hear that you experienced that. Wait, 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 wait. So I, we showed up. I got there exactly, mm -hmm. at, exactly at the minute. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he brought out this cart of about 60 books. 
And I said, that's a lot. Wow, that's, wonderful. That's, I said, that's a lot for 20 minutes. And he said, yeah, I was just teasing. So anyway, <laughs> if, you, if anybody knows uh, Rabbi Schwartzberg. So we sat there for a better part. I think it was more than two hours, pretty closer to three hours that we sat there. And uh, one of the books that, and he, he had like a whole program. He said, he, he decided what he was going to show me more than what I thought even it was because he, he knew it was better than me. But one of the things that he showed was I had a question in a, in a version of the Rambam and he presented a Rambam, which was handwritten from the year 13 something. You can fill in the last two numbers for me. And I, I kind of just looked at it and said, um, would you mind looking over that way for a second? And, you know, just like the idea of making a joke that I would really like to just put this in my pocket and walk out. It's, uh, it's the, thing, <laughs> the frame probably weighs about 40 pounds, so I couldn't just, like, put it in my pocket. But I, I couldn't take such a thing because I couldn't afford to house properly such a tome. It has to be properly archived mm -hmm. and proper climate control and moisture control and this control and that control. At what point... Dr. David Kramer, do rare books stop being cost-effective, if you forgive me for asking that in that way? I, I'm not sure I understand the it's question. A, it's, it's keeping a, rare books... Keeping a lot of rare books, you have to maintain. Yeah, you have to maintain them, and there's there's effort. And we had to you hired a special person who uh, who was in charge of the rare book room specifically, and they were in the house in a specific way. And um, wouldn't wouldn't it be easier if you just if you didn't didn't have this one specific these couple of books? Um, wouldn't it be easier? Well, what, what I'll say is that we see ourselves as bearing responsibility for the legacy we have inherited, and it's a substantial one, uh, on behalf of the Jewish people. And so we've just built a new library, and for the rare collections, it's got security from top to bottom, it's got climate control from top to bottom, it's got redundant fire suppression, which in the case, God forbid, of a fire, we will be able to eliminate damage without doing damage to the book. Again, two systems redundant to each of the other. And furthermore, we've got water detection throughout the area and special protective hands that will prevent any seepage that would, God forbid, endanger the collection. Now, was all of this very expensive? You bet it was. Okay, understood. So, you're, so <laughs> I'm glad to hear that um, the bottom line is not the bottom line for the, uh, the, the JTS library. Okay, so now, um, there was a time... Uh, I'm not sure how long ago that the the JTS um, was in I would say I wouldn't necessarily I don't know financial difficulty but in constraints we do see that I for example I have an uncle who graduated the JTS in 1952 he was one of 400 graduates that year 
And at that time, the conservative movement, actually the peak of the conservative movement was around 1973, where it was estimated by the various Jewish uh, agencies that about uh, close to 60% of America's population was aligned with the conservative movement. Then in 1992, another survey was done, and it is now, that was then, deemed somewhere around 37%. And I just saw something, a figure from 2017, that the conservative movement adherence is about 17%. So the conservative movement is shrinking, imploding, whatever verb you'd like to use. The graduating class last year, you can, you can fill me in how many there were, but I'm sure it was nowhere near 400 from 1952. So there was a, uh, the, 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 the conservative movement needed, uh, the, or the JTS needed to somehow keep up. Okay, and it was the decision that they were going to sell the beautiful building that they had. They sold the air rights, and now the JTS is in a what a thirty-story building. I'm not exactly sure how high the the building is. Uh, I I think it's about that. Yes. Okay, and the JTS occupies the first couple of floors, which includes. No, 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 no. We are not part of that building. Oh. Um, no. That, yeah, that's a com common misconception. Um, so let me say a couple of things. First of all, um, what happened was the very large footprint on which the library and other facilities sat was divided, and about half of it was sold for private development. That condo you just mentioned is on the private part of the property. The um, other half of the property that was, again, the footprint of the library and other parts of the facility is now narrower but taller. If you can recall what the library looked like, it was very wide and very low. We are now narrower and higher. The library is the first three floors stellar one and two, and above us is JPS dormitory facilities. So that's the new building. Okay. Um, in addition, I want to say that the library was a driver in this renovation. Before this renovation was contemplated, we did a strategic plan and we came to recognize that the library that was built in the 1980s was no longer up to the task of a library of the 2020s and beyond. Technologies have changed. Many, many things have changed. And there isn't an academic library anywhere that hasn't asked itself what kinds of changes do we have to make. So in order to create the new library, we pursued various paths. And in the end, JPS recognized that the best way to do this was to take advantage of the value of real estate in Manhattan, New York. And at the same time that we built a new wonderful library, we also built other facilities that will help JPS 
be a much more community and arts-oriented campus than it had been in the past. Oh, very interesting. Okay. So would you say then that uh, the library is now the showcase piece of the J Jewish Theological Seminary, Dr. David Kramer? I'll put it this way. You know from having been at JTS in the past that when you came in the front gate, you needed directions to find the library. Uh, and until it's years under my directorship, it didn't even have a, line, a sign on it saying the library. If from there you wanted to find the rare book room, you needed special directions to get to the fifth floor of the library in order to find that sanctum sectorum, that holy of holies. What, what you'll experience now is you will come through the front gate, you will enter a large atrium, which is a huge and beautiful community space. And from the entry foyer of JPS, you will see the entrance to the library prominently directly across the atrium. You will walk into the new library and immediately to the left, you will find dedicated exhibition space and the new rare book room. You will not need to ask anybody for directions to any of these things. This is not merely an architectural choice, but a philosophical choice. We wanted people to understand that this great treasure we have is not merely the special domain of scholars who gain special permission, but it's available for the education and inspiration of Jews and even others wherever they originate. Uh, so are you saying that I could just walk into the JTS building and walk into the library, walk into the rare book room, talk to the person behind the counter and say, I'd, I'd like to see the Rambam letter, please. Um, it'll be a little bit easier if you let us know you're coming first, but we have intentionally designed the rare book reading room so that it will have storage space for a couple of thousand of our actual rare books. And we are now moving our rare collections back as we speak. And we have selected samples of the great works of our tradition uh, of the interesting pieces of our history so that they will be available in the reading room. They will not be have to retrieved from storage. And this is to make sure that all of our students have experience with our rare materials, that not one of our students will graduate without having been exposed to these materials. And it will make it much easier as well for visitors to see this material in the rare book room, in the exhibition space, and in a special presentation room that we have created for small group uh, so that we can show small groups our rare material. That's wonderful. Okay, so now you mentioned bringing on site. When the library is all finished, what percent of the 
library will be on site and what will be stored in Connecticut and storage. Okay. So um, of our rare materials, 100% will be on site. The reason for that is because uh, it would not be safe for us to transport rare materials back and forth from remote storage. So every single rare item will be on site under our security and control. Uh, of our circulating materials, one of the things we discovered, well known to librarians, but we were able to give some detail to it as we did our research, is that research libraries, uh, and we are a research library, uh, something like 80% of the collection is not used at all, not even touched, not taken off the shelf in a 10-year period. Uh, that means that research libraries are more than anything else storage facilities. And needless to say, it's very expensive to store materials in Manhattan. So what we decided to do was to create a library that would house what we believe would be the vast majority of the works that our users will need. Uh, we've got room for about 60,000 circulating volumes. Uh, and if we discover that there are volumes off-site that people actually desire that are in demand, we'll move them back to on-site, and they will be part of our on-site collection. For the unusual works that might be needed by a scholar, they can request them, and we can offer next business day delivery. So most people will have everything they need on site, and rarely people will have to call things from off-site. Okay. How many titles does the JTS library have, Dr. David Kramer? Uh, do you want me to include rare materials? Indeed. For, meaning for a total yes. number or just our circulating time? A, a total number, everything that is under your domain. Um, well, it depends how you count. Uh, so, for example, we've got uh, flat items in our rare collection, mostly prints, two boats, and the like. Do we count every single one of those that's, that's or why, not? Yeah, that's, the, why, that's why I said yeah. titles, not books. Yeah. The answer is somewhere between 400 and 450,000. That's incredible. And I'm assuming it's expanding as new titles are published. The JTS is still in a It expands all the time. Uh, we regularly acquire, of course, uh, contemporary works for research. We've also got a very substantial rare materials acquisition fund that allow us to acquire materials we judge to be research-worthy. Research That's awesome. This is, this is going to do it. I'm going to talk, I could be really geeking and talk a little more, but just I have a really glib question for you, but what's your favorite Please. title in the JTS library? You got one out of 450,000. <laughs> um, it's impossible for me to answer that because 
um, it, it's kind of, I've got a friend who, when he gives the Devar Torah at a synagogue, begins it always by saying, this is my favorite Parsha. Gotcha. So I've got a lot of favorite titles. Um, I would say that one that I return to over and over again is an early manuscript of the Masar Vitri, which comes straight out of France. Um, It preserves the earliest record we have of the practices of Ashkenazi Jewry. And what's extraordinary about it is it shows us how French Jews living in France in the 12th and 13th century worked. And I just love it. Okay, that's a great choice. Anyway, okay, we've run out of time, and I could, like I said, I could talk for, I could fill the whole show up with this. But uh, Dr. David Kramer, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and uh, sharing your knowledge about the library. And uh, is, is a good percentage of the library digitalized? Can I access it from the JTS website? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll talk about rare materials. Our collection is so massive. Uh, that it would take many years to digitize the entire thing. Uh, we have digitized the entire Geniza collection. We were the first major collection to do that. Uh, we have digitized a substantial minority of our manuscripts, uh, and we continue to digitize uh, as we reopen our new facilities. We've got a dedicated digitization uh, studio and we've got funds for digitization and we will continue as long as we can to provide more and more online for access 24 7 around the world okay that's great okay so again thank you so much for taking the time and we wish the library and your yourself continued success and you should have a happy and a healthy new year Thank you. You too. Wonderful to talk to you. It's a pleasure. It's been mine. Thank you so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shul Finman, here you're listening to the Jewish Hour. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to such things, but I'm, I'm a bibliophile. And if I had the wherewithal to have a library of 450,000 titles, I would have a library of 450,000 titles. But in the meantime, the Jewish Ferndale Library has about 2,000 titles that we've managed to put together so far, and that is a Jewish lending library. We Do we have anything rare? Not where it requires archival treatment. We've got some old, some, some one-of-a-kinds, uh, some first editions type stuff, and... Uh, you might want to come check out the Jewish Lending Library at, it's the Rothschild Memorial Jewish Lending Library at Jewish Ferndale. And our catalog is digitized. You can check out the uh, the titles by going to the website www.jewishferndale.com and uh, check out and see. Maybe you want a book and then get in touch with us and we'll be glad to help. 
For your listening pleasure, we're changing gears. This is Avram Berko. Avram Berko is now hot on the scene. He's become quite prolific, doing lots of covers of other people's stuff. So this one actually happens to be really cool. This is called, uh, there's a, a, uh, an Israeli artist by the name of Yishai Rebo, who's uh, probably gaining superstar status in Israel. And this is a Yishai Rebo melody. It's just for you.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. We've got time for one more. Since we have such a large klezmer following, this is a group from Romania. They still actually live in Romania. It's called the Matanuska Klezmer Orchestra, and this is called the Matanuska Klezmer Swing.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Harry Schultzman, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. This week is the portion of Shoftim. It can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16. We are also in the beginning of the month of Elul, which is the month in preparation of Rosh Hashanah. And, of course, there must be something in one having to do with the other. They have to be connected because they, they're they here, so there must be a connection. The book of Shof, the portion of Shoftim is a list of mitzvahs. There's no story. It's just one mitzvah after the other, one after the other, after the other. I'm not sure right now how many there are. I think there's 40-something mitzvahs in the portion. And they all have to deal with uh, acting like a person, being a mensch, as the, the, the case may be. The portion starts with, you should put judges and policemen at your gates. And there is a famous uh, uh, interpretation as to how that makes becomes relevant. is because the gates, we say, are the gates to our soul. And what are the gates to our soul? Our eyes, our ears, and our mouths. And we have to put judges at the gates of our soul so that we close our eyes and we don't look at things we shouldn't look at. And we stick our fingers in our ears when we try it, when there are things that are, that are going on that we shouldn't hear. And we close our mouths not to say things that we shouldn't say. The month of Elul is a month of, it's called a month of accounting. You have people, they have businesses and they do something called a year end to see where there were the strengths, where were the weaknesses, what do they have to do for the next year, what do they have to get rid of, where do they have to, to, to increase, where they, where they need to excel. And this is what is true also with the month of Elul. There's a famous uh, parable which is given that Elul is the month when the king is in the field, that the king, being the Almighty, is much easier now because he's got a month off, there's no holidays, there's nothing to worry about. It's the month of August. Most of us are going on vacation this month. So you could say, so to speak, God is on vacation too. So now, when the king is in the field and on vacation, so he's in a good mood. He's got on his Birkenstocks, he's got on his blue jeans, and he's kicking it back in the beach chair. Maybe he's got a Mai Tai or something like that. You know, so when you approach him and you say, listen, your majesty, can I uh, talk to you? And he, of course, I got no time. I got nothing to do. That's what the month of Elul is about. But you can't just go to the king and say, I need. You have to go to the king and say, this is what, I, what I'll do. So Elul is a month when we have to make judgments. Where are we going to excel? And there are, we're not going to go into it right now, maybe we'll do it in the course of the month, but there are various different verses in the Bible 
that if you take the first letters and you uh, the, from these from these verses, it spells the word Elul. It's an abbreviation or acrostic for the word Elul. And these five things have to do with learning Torah, davening, giving charity, coming back, repentance for doing tshuva, and also longing for the redemption, which is a main major thing. Yeah, so if we're going to ask for anything, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe said, if you're going to ask God for anything, ask big. And there's nothing bigger than, I guess, than being redeemed, taking out a gullus, moving back to Jerusalem, having the, the revival of the dead and the rebuilding of the temple and the issuance the, the, uh, of the Messianic era and a thousand years at least of Shabbos. So, but to do that, we have to show the Almighty, listen, we're, this is what we're going to do to increase. There are some things which are built into our customs. We increase in Torah automatically in the priests and prayers. They blow the shofar during this time to or wake us to do teshuva. So this is the month, this is the time to do it. And this is, this is now when a person has to do those judgments. In Judaism, New Year's, it's not all lang syne. In Judaism, Rosh Hashanah is like, Oh, yeah. Okay, we have to get it together. So I tell people, and you got a month to do it. Get your act together now. Get your petition in now. So that when the time Rosh Hashanah comes and you're talking about being written and inscribed in the Book of Life for a happy and a healthy new year, you're already there. We're Speaking of already there, we're at the end of the hour already, and we're going to be telling you the Hasidic story next. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard. The Spex Howard School of Media Arts is proud to have been a sponsor of the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding comes from its sponsors, listeners like you help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. That's 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. Your help is greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? You know the routine. I've been doing it for 26 years already. Go to my website, rabbifinman.com. The website is... The domain is 26 years old, but the website's recently updated, and you'll find all kinds of wonderful things. Of course, we always make it easy to contact me. I really don't like when you go to a website. You know, you just I was at a major organization, like a international company, and I wanted to hit the contact page, and it was oh, it was probably six pages before I got to to the contacts. We have contact, contact me right on the front, right on the homepage, because listen, my whole thing, and people ask me about Judaism, I want to make Judaism interesting, exciting, and fun. I don't want you wasting time looking how to contact me for all, for heaven's sake, as the case may be. You'll also find archived editions of the show if you would like to listen to some back show, and they're all titled, and you can have who's doing it and what's, uh, what the topic is, and that goes back for the last four and a half, maybe five years, and, uh, like my, my grandmother would say, give a listen. There's other ways in which we present Judaism in an interesting and exciting way. Also at RabbiFinman.com. And there's, of course, the very important donations page. For 26 years, we have spent the better part of a minute around this time saying, we need your help. Radio is not free. Podcasts are not free. We are... So 
somewhat sponsor-supported, but for the most part have always been, and probably always will be, listeners supported like yourself. You've listened already now for 50 minutes of the show. You've enjoyed it. Please help. Especially now, during the month of Elul. So Elul is the time to increase in giving with charity. So your contribution to the Jewish Hour at RabbiFinman.com does support the Jewish Hour and other programs that are under the umbrella of the Jewish Hour, like Jewish Ferndale and Eparsh, et cetera, all the other things that we do. So we are a 5013C corporation. It's tax-deductible, tax so you can take it off your taxes, and it also counts towards your tithing. You have to give 10% of your charity, which you have to make sure you have to... Uh, that before Rosh Hashanah that you get that you gave away 10% of your your uh, net income and if you need to know what exactly you're allowed to take off as to what's net you know it's okay it's after taxes and after health insurance but after that it's pretty much you got to take 10% off of that and so you might as well just do it for uh, all the good things that are happening in this part of the world so do it today rabbifinman.com donations you can set up a monthly donation. We have lots of people doing $5 a month automatically. Bada bing, bada boom. Don't have to think about it even. And it still counts. Don't like internet giving? Understood. Drop your donation in an envelope to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48220. And there was a man whose name escapes me right now who was a Holocaust survivor. He was the lone member of his family to survive the Holocaust. He went through Auschwitz and Medanchik and Bergen-Belsen and who knows what else, the other horrors he witnessed, and wound up in a DP camp and then wound up in the shores of the Holy Land in Israel. And there was a woman, a young Jewish woman, who pretty much went the same route and met up with this man in Israel. And they got married. And we could say they lived heavily happily ever. But shortly thereafter, she was also had lost her whole entire family. All of her kids were killed. They had a son. And this was like a wonderful thing. This was like 1947. They had a son. And their son, of course, was now their hope, their pride and joy. This, this uh, source of light for their lives after what they had been through. And they tried to raise him in a religious manner as they were had kept their religiosity. But as when he became 16, he sort of like decided he didn't want to do the religious thing anymore. And one day, he disappeared. And they thought, okay, they know what he's doing stuff. He'll be back if a couple of days went by and nothing happened in a week. And they, they called the police and uh, nothing disappeared. He was gone for several months, and they received a letter, no return address, from the United States. And the letter simply said, I'm okay, don't worry about me. Which, that was a relief to them, but what are they going to do? Okay, so at this point, so it's 47 and 16, so we're 1973. Um, he decided, the father, after several months, decided to go to America to look for his son. Okay, could you imagine such a task? I'm going to go to America, which I'm not how many sure how many millions of square miles the, the 48 contiguous states takes up, but he's going to go find his son in what was then over 200 million people. 
but that was what he was going to do. It's a daunting task. He had he arrived in New York. He had no idea where he was going to go, where he was going to turn, how he was going to look. So he had some connections with various Rebbe's, and he decided that he was going to spend some time with Lubavitcher Rebbe's, 1971, 72. And uh, he was there before Tishrei, and there was a big Hayelo for bringing, and, uh, which was a big day, the, uh, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe's birthday, and it was a, a huge crowd. He really loved it, and he received a uh, private audience with the Rebbe before Rosh Hashanah. And he told him his plight about looking for his son, and his, he told the, uh, the Rebbe that he contended to spending the month of Tishrei, he liked it so much, that he was going to spend Tishrei with the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe said, I think it would be a good idea if you became a leader of the services in New Jersey. So he said, Rebbe, I'm going to be with you for, for the holidays. He said, you don't have to apologize I understand, but it would be a really, you really want to be here with me, but it would be a very good thing for you to be the leader of the prayers in New Jersey. Okay, so he put it out there that he's a, uh, a cantor and he knows how to lead the holiday services, and he was actually picked up by Rabbi Pinchas Tights, a blessed memory. It's, a, it's not a small synagogue. It's a very big synagogue, so he must have had a really good voice. He was about to start the prayers on the eve of Kol Nidre. So he'd done Rosh Hashanah, so now it's Yom Kippur. And he had, he's already, he had this, his, his prayer shawl on, and he had his, his robe on for the special for, the, for the, holiday, the Day of Atonement. He was just about to start the holiest prayer, the Kol Nidre, and he turned around. Somebody told him he just like turned around and he saw sitting there a person with very long hair and their eyes met. And the young man with the long hair said, Dad? And the two hugged each other. What happened after that point? We don't know. But we hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.